Metricast. AI for me is a very hard topic because on one hand, you can see the initial kernel of truth that it can help you. But we can quickly see and are already seeing really consequential results from AI. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Get ready for a thought-provoking episode that challenges traditional notions of success in entrepreneurship. Our guest today is Peter Wasmer, a seasoned serial entrepreneur with over 25 years of experience in building successful businesses. In this episode, we explore the role of technology as a business ally, the importance of faith and intuition, and the lessons Peter has learned along his entrepreneurial journey. Join us as we dive into unconventional wisdom and discover how redefining success on your own terms can lead to a fulfilling and impactful entrepreneurial path. Prepare to be inspired by Peter's thoughtful insights and actionable guidance. Let's jump right in. Hey, Peter, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How's it going today? Good, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. Yeah, so we're kind of on opposite ends of... uh, United States. I'm in, I'm in California and you're in Florida. Yes. You're nice and cool and wet and we're pretty dry and, and nice and, and warm this afternoon. So yeah, yeah it's a great, I great ne- part of the world down here. We love it. I never thought you'd say that about Northern California in May. It's rarely ever. <laughs> I, I can't even remember how many times it's rained in May, but this year is fortunately we've gotten a lot of rain, but it's definitely gotten a little old. Yes, you yeah, have had a lot of a lot of it. I, I've seen it in the uh, news coming straight down from the north down through all the way through California. It's been an epic, epic, uh, well, winter and spring. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, hey, I'd love to know a little bit about you. Can you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, we married uh, three adult children living in Southwest Florida for, we've been down here for about 30 plus years. And over the course of uh, that time, I've had the privilege of holding a number of different roles in business and also different uh, different social roles, including you know volunteering for different things and and uh, being active in church and the environment and other things that kind of keep me keep me busy. And you're kind of a self-described serial entrepreneur, is that correct? Yes, I am. That's usually it's a good moniker for somebody who just doesn't want to take orders from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's really what it comes down to. I, I just don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I'm just going to go figure it out on my own. And it's been a, been a great road. It's been a lot of adventure. I love America. We have a lot of opportunity here to, uh, to succeed. And we have a lot of opportunity to fall flat on our faces and pick ourselves back up and go again. So I've, had a great experience in the finance world, uh, working with a great leasing company. We had uh, we leased equipment to big companies, what they would call like a Fortune 1000 set of companies. And these were leases for everything from computer systems to forklift machine tools, process equipment, all kinds of crazy stuff. And it was never really the same thing twice. I got to see a lot of different things. And I think that was one of the foundational aspects of business that I was intrigued by was the variability of it. 
and uh, kept me interested in and being infinitely curious. I was always interested in trying to determine how much is this thing that we want to buy going to be worth in two, three, four years. So that foundation uh, led to the next. We sold that business, and several years later, I was approached by uh, some guys. They were they were investment bankers with an idea about leasing Harley Davidson motorcycles. Oh, wow. And uh, I was intrigued by it, A, because I, I love motorcycles. I didn't really know that much about Harley Davidson's at the time, but I love motorcycles. And I thought, well, this is interesting. And as a leasing guy, I, I'm an asset guy. So I kind of get to know what are these what are these funky machines. And so I got to know Harley Davidson's really intimately. And we found that they were an excellent asset to lease. And so we put together a national platform for really ultimately any dealer across the country that had a pre-owned Harley Davidson. We had a two, three, and four-year lease program that they could literally plug in their information, get a credit response, and create a deal and push a button. And everything happened like magic in the background. It was just a, it was a really cool process to go through to build that from the ground up. Literally, this is literally one of those back of the napkin moments where you think like, well, I don't know anything about auto finance. I don't know anything about motorcycles, but if I were going to go get a motorcycle and I was going to lease it, how would I want it to work? Yeah. So that was the starting point was, hey, what can we do? How should this work? And so we built, we built a system and built a team and, um, and had to get funding and all that other kind of crazy stuff. So yeah, it was a good, that was a good run. How did that, did you also ultimately sell that one or how did that one play out? That was a big trip, a big flat trip. And we can talk more about, you know, the importance of trusting partners and, and uh, what they can do versus what you can do and making sure that all of the bases are covered. From the very beginning, we had funding issues, which was ah. formative. We got funding, which was great, but we got funding through channels that were challenging and ultimately Ultimately, it was a restriction that that um, the funding wasn't the problem. The funding was fine. It was how we were deploying the capital and accounting for it, which was a little mm-hmm. bit of a challenge to our investors. So long story short, we had a good business, a good solid uh, market presence. The challenge came when some changes happened with our equity partner. And they said, you know, really, at the end of the day, you're good guys, but uh, we don't see this business growing to be a billion dollars, which I thought was, I thought, well, yeah, I know. We're, I never thought really we would really get that. <laughs> but that's what they wanted. So, and they, right, right. And they that, were there. Yeah. So they wanted a billion dollar business that wasn't going to get there. So they shut it off and took the portfolio with them. And wow. uh, it was a very, it was painful. I had to let go of 50 people that we had, uh, we had hired and curated a solution, you know, we curated a, a market solution across the country and it was just great. So still a good business platform. We ended up re-engineering that and uh, getting another set of partners and re-upping that with a company called Fuel Capital, which has subsequently been sold and mer- like sold into another auto finance company. So that that was fine. In regards to them saying, hey, it's not going to be a billion dollar uh, business, I'm a little bit confused because it would seem like they would have the data to go, hey, this is how many second market Harley Davidsons typically are being sold. This is what typically, you know, how much finance opportunity there is. I mean, 
how did that come about where like all of a sudden they just realized like, you know, hey, it's maybe a hundred million dollar company or whatever potential? Well, there, it has to do with ownership, uh, personalities. And by ownership, I mean who owned our investment from the investment company's perspective. There was a change of the guard. I see. I see. The consummate professional that brought us in had a clear understanding about our business and how it would grow. He made a, a very significant commitment to us in terms of permanent capital, uh, which was terrific. He, however, was he didn't stay with the company mm. after we consummated that deal. So when he left, there was a vacuum and it was filled with another guy, another great guy, but he didn't really own our platform. He didn't really own the business from the ground up and he hadn't brought it along like the other guy had. So we all only have 24 hours in a day. Right. And, and despite the copious amount of dollars that they have to invest, they were not going to spend that kind of capital on a small company because quite candidly, we required a lot of attention from a professional uh, financing perspective. And so that investment of time didn't marry up with the returns that they could get with the dollars they would need to invest down the road. So from their perspective, it was a clear equation that this isn't, we're we're just not going to get there with these guys. And Based on where we were in the growth curve, the only logical decision for them was to turn it off versus trying to say sell it or do something else with it. It just wasn't it wasn't feasible. So uh, that was an awful thing to go through. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have several questions. One, I want to go back to the leasing of uh, equipment, sure. and I realized it was Fortune One Thousand company, so this doesn't obviously apply to those leases didn't apply to the typical business owner, but you do see business owners do oftentimes need to lease equipment. Do you have any tips for us? Like what, you know, what are things that we should look for when we are, you know, all of a sudden we open up a new office and we need 20 computers or, you know, we need some furnitures and fixtures, anything that, uh, you know, you could share with us in terms of what we should be looking for and how to approach that? One of the things that that was uh, important for me as the leasing company was to maintain a great relationship with the people that were using the equipment and to stay in contact with them and gauge how much they were using the equipment. And in our cases, we had thousands of computers basically at any one company. So it was a lot to manage. I'd help them sort of manage those. For a smaller company, it's a really easy decision, I think. If you're going to have something for five years, you should just own it. But really the metric is, especially in a small business, if it's losing value over a five-year period of time, you should just rent it, make it an expense. I honestly okay. do that. I tend to keep like this computer system that I have right now, I tend to keep them for like seven or eight years. So I own my laptops. Other people in my business, however, they don't. We just simply lease their, their computers and every two to three years, we just change it out. It just becomes an expense that we have to uh, incur. And that keeps everybody current and secure. That's one of the things we want to make sure everybody has a security there. Copiers, you know, those are really easy to lease. I really don't like lease uh, copier leases because they tend to just continue to go on. And I, I haven't actually leased one for a long time. One of my avocations was working with uh, my church for a number of years. And somebody had signed off on a lease for a, a copier like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we were just continuing to pay for it. Like we had paid for it like three or four times over. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a way to get out of this. And of course they have these 
fabulous clauses that are really good for them and not good for us. Right, right. So I would just be cautious about some of the leases that you see and just, you know, read read through the document, make sure that you're comfortable with what the terms are, because some of them can be very accommodating, but you also have to know when you want to give notice, as an example, I want to give notice that I want to terminate the lease. That's a big one. Like that is a, that's one of the catch catches that all leases have. Like you have to give notice 12 months in advance. Wow. Or some fabulous. And if you don't, it automatically extends for a whole nother period, whatever that period is, month, year, five years, whatever. So just be cognizant of that. But uh, in all cases, as an overall business strategy, you want to lease as much as you can, I think. If you have the credit for it, uh, I would use it for sure. Very cool. Okay, good stuff. I want to switch gears a little bit, just in terms of technology and efficiency. What are your thoughts around that? Like, I mean, ChatGPT obviously is one of the big things right now. Where should businesses be at right now in terms of technology and efficiency and what should we be using? Do you have any thoughts around that? I do. For sure, your whole business should be in the cloud. I think anybody that's operating on a, I call it a terra firma server, that is a server that's sitting behind you or in a closet somewhere, you could use that potentially as a backup unit, but you really don't need to. Uh, You should keep your operation as light as possible. Everything should go into the cloud. You know, we use, we still use laptops, but most, literally most of the business happens through your phones. So I'm a big advocate on security. I tend to use the fruit flavored, versus the uh, Microsoft flavored uh, <laughs> a gear. Uh, I like Apple a lot. Uh, it works. It tends to be very secure and their products work well. So from a, even from a business perspective, I, we use Excel and numbers. I tend to prefer Excel. It works perfectly great on an, on an Apple. So technology-wise, you know, beyond uh, that, how can you accelerate? So this is one of the... I have AI for me is a very hard topic. Because on one hand, you can see the initial kernel of truth that it can help you, Mm -hmm. right? But we can quickly see and are already seeing really consequential results from AI, right? So I I love using ChatGPT. I wrote the basis for a knowledge base that we'll have up through our website by simply giving it a prompt. there's this massive document with all kinds of cool stuff in it. And I just have to go through and vet it, make sure that it's actually conveying the details that we want. And I think that's the one great thing about any uh, AI generator. They're about 80 to 90% really good about creating the construct of a document, even creating images. Some of them are are good. Most are still challenged, but they're learning. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, It it is. I've used another one called Ad Copy that'll write a perfect ad, writes perfect ad copy for Facebook and Instagram. Another one that's a video a video AI generator for creating little reels, like for advertising reels, and it happens in seconds. I mean, it's just awesome, uh, and you don't need to have any prior knowledge about the product or how videos are put together. It just really it, it's very intuitive. What's the name of that one? Do you know? I've been playing around with one called Get Munch, M-U-N-C-H. Okay. And you, you just upload the video. You know, it, they're better than they used to be. They, there's been products out that's done this in the past, but they're just horrible. It actually picks 
snippets of, of important parts of the podcast, for example. And it actually does a really good job. I mean, it gets, I'd say 70, 80% to your point of accuracy in terms of 20 clips, 80% of them, I would say are really good snippets of the podcast, which like blows my mind how accurate it's become. Yeah. I, I have uh, several skeptics on my team and three of my key guys, they're just like, oh, you can't possibly get anything out of, out of chat GPT or any of these other things. And I'll just simply write up a prompt. I think that's the one thing is the the art form of any one of these things right now is in the prompt. You know, you can write very generic prompts and you'll get a very generic answer. But if you write very specific prompts, you'll get a very specific answer, which is cool. So I'm a fan of it on that from that side where I think it could be somewhat helpful. I'm very concerned about what the end result is going to be because of the fabulous capacity to produce, whether it's written word or video or something else that will have a serious consequence in terms of truth. And then you take it another step further and you look at how AI is being conceived right now as being replicant. You know, really the Terminator stuff is here right now and people don't know it. So interesting to see how it'll develop. I'm a little bit, I'm I'm with Elon Musk on a lot of this stuff where, you know, if you can get your arms wrapped around the current situation and control it right now, we're in much better shape down the road. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high performing team members and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. If you can get your arms wrapped around the current situation and control it right now, we're in much better shape down the road. Yeah. I don't know, maybe things are being worked on behind the scenes, but it sure seems like it's starting to gain speed. And it's kind of like once it gets that speed, how do you stop it? Or I don't want to say stop it, but how do you control it? It's just kind of like going full blast. So it's interesting. It's, I mean, really, if you if you look just in the last, I don't know, what's chat GPT went kind of mainstream, was it December or January? I mean, if you think of the how fast it's moved, and there's now like so many products that are throwing engines on top of chat GPT to take it one step level deeper. Like you said, like advertising, copywriting, writing sales letters. It's really, it's, I mean, it's, 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 I don't know, it blows my mind, frankly. It's remarkable. We're actually, I've actually tasked my team with, can we use, so in our current platform and our current software platform, we have a communication module, which, which by the way, is one of my advocations currently. It's like, how do we just communicate better? It's not that we need to communicate more. We just need to communicate better. So that's that's the foundation of what we're working on right now. And in our platform, we have a module. And I said to them, if we can build in a chat GPT-like generator, then the customers who are using our platform can simply click on that and put in a prompt and it will write whatever they want and then they can distribute that in our in our platform. They can distribute messages through text, email, and mobile notifications. So you know, some people will never use it, but that adds there is interesting. I think because there's every reason in the world to think that there are people out there that would like to communicate better but don't have the time for it. So 
as I said, we all only have 24 hours in a day. And if you're in our case, we're, we're working with service companies, you're operating the business to deliver a service to your customers. And that's the only thing you want to be, be concerned about. If you can help in the background, make the other things that you really want to do to keep your business going, to retain customers and to communicate better, then it's great to have these tools. So. Yeah. I envision like someday when we go into our email, we'll just click, you know, maybe give it a few words and just kind of click the words and it'll kind of draft up a, an initial draft of your email, email right built into it. Probably text the same thing. I mean, I imagine it'll just, yeah, it'll maybe even you verbally say a few words. I'm sure that you've mentioned something around your phone and the next thing you know, you've got something in your feed. You know, I had a friend of mine, I had a conversation with him uh, several weeks ago talking about Costa Rica. Uh, My wife and I celebrated 30 years of marriage and we went to Costa Rica and I was telling him about the trip and he called me the next day. He says, I have never looked for anything in Costa Rica at all, but all of a sudden my feed all has Costa Rica. (laughs) It's crazy. So to your point, yeah. You know, the email, the email may be pre-generated based upon your previous activity. Yeah, that's crazy. What drives you like in terms of being a serial entrepreneur? You had kind of made the comment about kind of just doing your own thing and not having a boss, basically. Is that the big driver or is it the upside? Is it the unknown? I mean, what kind of drives you into new projects and ventures? Yeah, so infinite curiosity is where it starts. And I have a deep faith. So if there's a kernel of an idea, then I'll explore it and keep going down that road to see if it's something, see if there's merit. So I I never have a problem picking up the phone and talking to anybody. I think that's another thing that small business guys, they typically don't have a problem with it. But, you know, every once in a while, somebody will be somewhat intimidated by people they have to talk to or ask a question of. And I always go back to what my dad told me. He's like, look, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. You can just have a conversation with somebody. And by the way, in my book, I try to operate on the, and I I don't want to cuss on your show, but I have a no a-hole rule. Oh, good. Like if we have a conversation with somebody or a meeting with somebody and they're a bit of an a-hole, life is just too short and there are too many other good people to talk to. I don't really need to talk to you ever again. You know, Mm. so when it comes to infinite curiosity, I'll just pick up the phone and call people. When we ran the Harley Davidson leasing company, we were getting uh, inundated with phone calls from dealers who were saying that, hey, you know, Harley Davidson in Milwaukee is a little bit concerned about you guys. I said, geez, that's interesting. We poked the bear, I guess. And so I picked up the phone and I called the CEO. And um, although we didn't talk with him directly, we talked to the CFO and their CMO, and we ended up having a meeting with them. And, you know, we had a chance to lay out what we were doing and we were very candid with them. And, you know, I would say that we had a very good relationship with Harley ultimately. Did they see you as a, a conduit then? And to, well, did they review you as com- a competitor and that they probably wanted to finance their own deals or did they ultimately see, Hey, this is another avenue for people to get into our product or our secondary product and the secondary market, or how did that end up? You've just illustrated both sides of the coin of that conversation. We looked at ourselves clearly as a brand ambassador. We were bleeding orange and black, right? Right, right. And we went in there bleeding orange and black. And the response was, geez, you know, we almost like you guys. (laughs) I think that's a win. (laughs) Well, that's how the relationship started. And it it did get better from there. But no, they definitively are very proprietary about their... Uh, brand. 
They don't want anybody stepping on it in any way, shape, or form, including financing of the motorcycles. So they looked at it as clearly as competition. But again, we had a very good relationship with them. We, you know, actually, when we got into that business, we we went exclusively after the pre-owned Harley Davidsons because they're like any asset, their their value drops in the first three years, but then it just really curves off. It's a very they hold their value extremely well. And that's a testament to the brand, but it's also a testament to the production and the company. And so we were going exclusively after that. Well, of course, we opened up and we started signing up dealers. And of course, somebody said, hey, would you would you lease a new one? I said, sure, love to do that. And they had a, a whole process they had to go through to get permission to sell a brand new motorcycle to an entity, our company called Chrome Capital, versus a living, breathing human being. Literally, their, their dealer agreement says, you may not deliver this bike to anybody except the actual end rider, period. Wow. But they, they, they did have an exception where you could go through a process and request that maybe for whatever reason, a guy wanted his company to be the owner and that's who you were going to deliver it to. They had to get permission. So there was a whole process on how that happened. And I thought, shit, this is going to take a month. Came back in like two hours. I said, wow. wow. So the dealer went through a process of requesting the permission and got the okay to do it. And I asked him, how did you do that? And he told me. And I said, what did you write? Well, he told me. And who did you send it to? He told me. And I took that exact copy and I put it into our process manual for all of our dealers. If you want to lease a new Harley Davidson, do this. And Genius. man, it was like wildfire. It was awesome. But at the end of the day, uh, Harley was not too happy about that. And they actually amended their dealer agreement to exclude leasing from any of their new bikes. Wow. I think that was kind of the spirit anyway of their clause, probably. They just uh, didn't think people would circumvent it and get approval, probably. And then probably they caught up to what was going on and then put the kibosh. Yeah, Yeah, that's fun. That's hilarious. Hey, you brought up faith several times. Where does faith fit into all this for you in terms of your business journey? Well, any anybody who's listening uh, knows that you have those you have those days, you have those nights where it's pretty dark. Yeah, you know, um, we've got a a product problem. We have a customer problem. We have a money problem. Any one of those things can send somebody right over the edge. And you know, faith for me is a foundational way to move through a day. Right? If I get up in the morning and I believe that serving another purpose, not just simply for myself or my family, but if I'm serving a higher purpose, you know. I tend to listen to the universe and hear what, you know, hear what it has to tell me. And that served me really well on multiple levels. What do I say to somebody? How do I create an opportunity? Where am I going to find my resources, my employees, capital? Where am I going to find developers for our software platform? All of those things become rungs in a ladder. And so faith for me is, it is the ladder. My job is to just simply hold on and, and look up and keep going. So. Like I said, it's foundational every single day. And you know the days when it's faith is not strong, right? You have those days, you're like, why are you so worried? Why are you wrapped around the axle? And it's, you know, I engage in a little bit of prayer, a little bit of meditation, a little bit of yoga, a little bit of exercise. You know, there's these, there's these things you can do as uh, as a journeyman on the on this earth that that really take good care of yourself. So yeah, that's good. I, you know, 
my follow-up question was going to be, how do you deal with when you do have the struggles in the dark days? So you kind of you kind of rolled that all into one in terms of your faith plays a role in that, and then some other things for your well-being. It sounds like. Yeah, I think I think truth and honesty about things is a really uh, difficult place for a lot of people to get. I struggle with it. Uh, I would like to just I'd like to think that you know, well, everything's going to be just hunky dory. And I believe that things will turn out the way they're supposed to turn out, but it may not mean that they're hunky-dory. It means that I need to be truthful about where we are and and take the appropriate action. So yeah, it's it's that whole thing about the journey, right? When you're going through the journey, everybody always looks at the end result, and that tends to get a lot of the discussion, especially if it's successful. But that journey, there's pitfalls, there's bumps, there's crashes sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's it's never a straight line. It's always very interesting to watch uh, the media. They showcase they showcase life as though you arrive somewhere, right? And this is what we're all sold: like, oh, you know, you're going to end up, you know, rich and famous if you're an entrepreneur. Well, I got a mountain of people that have been entrepreneurs that are, you know, all over the place that have never they haven't made it big, but they've had a great journey. And I think that's the one thing that does keep me going on a day-to-day basis is understanding that, look, this is just another day in the, in the pathway. And so I certainly advocate for uh, success and however you define that, but it, in many ways, success is a direct derivative of what you put into a day. And so, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Hey, you know, I can tell from talking with you here now a short time, you've built solid teams, you've built leadership teams. I'd love to get your input around some thoughts around what, how do we build effective teams and how do, when do we introduce a leadership team and how do we build one? These are common things that my audience oftentimes have to struggle with, sometimes good, sometimes bad in terms of the, the, you know, when they're going through it. Well, uh, there's always the, the challenge of when, and one of the things I learned early on that it was better to be sooner than later because if it's later, you're delivering a mess to somebody versus here's an opportunity. And that's a little bit of a different swim. You can get you can get through it if you if you're a little bit late. But one of the tasks I have actually this week is to outline my corporate structure, what it will look like post-investment. We're going in and going to market uh, for capital right now, and we need to paint the picture. What is it going to look like? And it's a great thought process. And even if you have a small company, just thinking about the hierarchy on how things are organized and who you need to do what is a really critical, it's just a simple document. You can do it, you can literally do it on a piece of paper, but it's just, for me, I like to see a picture. And when I start to picture it, it helps me to determine who should be doing what and who really needs to be reporting to whom. And it's, uh, so I start with that. And then I always have in my platform of hiring Somebody needs who's the person that's taking on this job, they need to be smarter than me, a lot smarter. They need to know how to do that job. Like, teach me how to do it. That tells me you know how to do it, and then we'll hire you. That's basically how we look at that. I like that approaching it that way, where they teach you how to do it. That's a cool way to approach it. Hey, I always like to wrap up with uh, one question Do you have either a business tip or a life tip? that you've experienced in your journey that you could share with us that we could possibly apply? A hundred percent. When I was building out Chrome Capital, I had somebody that worked for me and we had a lot of very uncomfortable moments, really uncomfortable moments. And when I look back, I I don't ever have regrets, but I do have teaching moments. 
And she told me, she said, listen, if your gut is telling you something, you have to pay attention to it. And so a lot of small business guys operate really well on their gut. And I might, my advice is continue to listen to it. And if you're not paying attention to it, figure out what voice is actually trying to take you away from listening to your gut, because that's what's going to drive you. That's what will be successful for you. Somebody else doesn't know any better than you. You know what's right for you and for your family. So I would trust that. And that really gets around to that word that I I live on is trust. I don't want to, which kind of gets back to the no a-hole rule, right? It's like, you know, I need to be able to trust those that I employ 100% because my future and their future are tied together. And if we're serving a higher purpose, it's affecting a lot of other people. Do they get a second chance if someone breaks your trust? Do they get a second chance in their employee of yours? Or how does that work exactly? Um, yeah, they do. Sure. But they're under a different microscope now. Right. So yeah, people make mistakes. It's not about it's, it's not making mistakes. It's not failing. It's can I trust you? And that's different. Right. So you know, do what you say you're going to do. That's huge. And if you fail, okay, but you did what you said you were going to do. If you don't do what you said you were going to do, then we have a different criteria to measure by. So I like that. You sound like a great leader. You sound like uh, um, you're very fair. Uh, Hey, I'll put this in the show notes. Your website, provalet.io. Provalet.io is your website. I'll put them on the Think Tyler show notes. Is there, if people wanted to reach out to you, is there anywhere else you'd like them to go? Definitely. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Peter Wasmer, W-A-S-M-E-R. And you can also send me an email, uh, peter at provalet.io. And then just to real quickly, what is provalet.io? Can we talk about that just for a minute or two? Yeah, sure. Uh, provalet helps service companies automate their operations, specifically as it relates to scheduling, dispatch, invoicing, customer payments, and customer communications. and um, We're the only field service that's really the umbrella term that people use when they describe the type of platform we have. Field service being for, in our case, we're dynamically focused on regular interval service companies like a pool service, lawn care, pest control, any kind of home service. We help those guys and gals manage their business, automate their their entire platform, including the very important communication with the customers. It's an essential that nobody has time for right now. Everybody that I talk to across the country would love to be able to talk to their customers clearly and concisely. And we just simply automate that for them. And it's uh, it's worked out quite well. And by the way, we're, we're moving people's bill to cash time down from 37 days down to two days. So huge. <laughs> yeah. So we're delivering enterprise level solutions at a really value-based price. I mean, it's it's dirt cheap to use our platform and it's doing a great job for helping put more time and money back into people's lives. Very cool. Sounds like a cool product. Well, hey, Peter, thank you so much for being on the show. You shared a lot of wisdom with us and I sure appreciate your time. Tyler, thank you very much. Have a great day. You too, take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business.
there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. I like Airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.